Amen. Good morning, New City Church. You know what to do, right? Assume the position. We'd like you to write your name right on that clipboard and pass it down the aisle starting down the middle here. My name is Charlie Blair, if you don't know me. I'm one of the, the, the guys who gets to teach every once in a while. You picked a bad Sunday to be here. If it makes you mad, I'm going to help you solve that problem because uh, that's what we're going to talk about in today's sermon, okay? Before we get started, I, I anticipate that you may not get enough of me today. Um, well, you might. But tomorrow night, for the guys at least, uh, no, Tuesday night, right, Randy? Hello, Randy. Monday night, okay, Monday. Luke, there's Luke. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock in the student room over there, the guys who went and played with the axes with the sharp objects last week are going to be over there, and we're going to continue the discussion we start this morning, okay? You got my axe? Yeah, that's my axe picture, right? I'm pretty, that's see, I have an anger problem. So you don't want to be around me with sharp objects, right? But that, we had a lot of fun last week in that group and, and any other guys that want to join us, 7 o'clock tomorrow over there. More, uh, see, Mr. Luke, right there. raise your hand there, Luke. And Randy, when he fi- comes in, let, find Randy uh, Bartell. But today we're going to talk about anger. Hopefully you had a, a big 4th of July weekend, and you know, I pray that it didn't have a whole lot to do with anger. Uh, <laughs> anger, fireworks, and sharp objects, and things like that just don't go together. But just as we celebrated uh, our freedom this week, we've been celebrating several hundred years of freedom, what do you say today we declare our freedom and our independence from anger? Can I get an amen on that? I want you to stand up with me. We're going to do this as a declaration. So I'm going to, I'm going to say a, a prayer sentence, and I want you to pray it with gusto right behind me, right? Like you mean it, like you want this. It goes right along with the songs that we've been singing here. Father God, Father God greater, is he that is in me greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Let it be known in heaven and on earth, and on earth that, here, that here, now, now today, today, we are your people, people indwelt by, by your Spirit in the name of Jesus. We exalt you. We magnify you. We declare your word is true. Your word is greater. And you are bigger. And you are stronger than any problem. And you live in us. Father God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. Speak to me today. Open my heart to learn. Show me there is a road to freedom and deliverance. And help me walk it today. In your name, resurrected Jesus, show me where I am in any form of spiritual bondage. And set me free. free. Amen. Take a seat. Thank you so much. Sometimes we have to declare things to make them true. 
Scripture says we, that God calls those things that are not as though they were. We have a an assembly of B-29 Superfortress bombers with us this morning, I think. So let's dive into what Jesus is, is, says about anger, shall we? You see, and we're going to do that by looking at the Sermon on the Mount. Are you familiar with the Sermon on the Mount? Okay, the Sermon on the Mount. That, and I'm just going to dive into this and start reading it. Uh, there's so much I could say, but I, I had to trim about an hour and a half out of this. <laughs> I heard everybody say, thank you, Jesus. It says in, verse, uh, in chapter uh, 5 of Matthew, starting at about verse 20, it says, For I say to you that unless your righteousness... Your righteousness, those are the actions of your life in agreement with God's character. That may be a new definition for you. But unless your actions of life agree with God's character, unless that surpasses that of the scribes and of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So we first learn right up front here that Jesus has a primary concern, and his primary concern is for his Father's kingdom of heaven. He sets a very high standard for the lifestyle in the kingdom of heaven, a standard that surpasses the religious uh, examples and leaders and traditions of his day, and it might be applicable to our day as well. He says this, You heard that it was said to the ancients, Do not murder. And whoever would murder, that one, that one would be guilty in the judgment. And I say, your, your, passage, your Bibles may say, but I say. But that word that's translated but can also be translated and. And very often in the Greek and in the Hebrew, it really means and. It's a continuation. It's not a instead of, it's so there. It's a continuation. It's a conjunction. And I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be guilty of the judgment. If you are like me about this point, you're going, oop. First, we find here that Jesus equates anger with murder. Let that soak in a bit. The word murder here uh, it, it carries the idea of premeditation, of deliberateness. It's motivated murder. It's intentional. You see, in Scripture, Regard for life is paramount, and that's the way it is in the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is all about life and your life, and that's what I loved about Curtis's songs this morning. It's so much so that Jesus isn't satisfied that his citizens don't kill each other, don't murder each other. He doesn't even want the citizens of the kingdom of God to be at odds with each other in anger. And he punctuated this with the following he continued there, he says, And whoever would say to his brother, empty-headed, that one is guilty of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin is the high court of Israel. And whoever would say stupid is guilty of the Gehenna fire. That's the fire of hell. Any of you ever used those words or words like those? Those are serious words in the kingdom of heaven. He continues, if therefore you would present your gift at the altar, and there you would remember that your brother has something against you, you must right away leave your gift there in front of the altar and go. You must first become reconciled with your brother, and then, after you come back, present your gift. Excuse me. 
See, Jesus tells us that if you're on the way, if you want to hang out with God, guess what? You've got to be right with your brother. Is that a cool deal? Are we willing to do that? See, to enter the kingdom of heaven, we have to do something. Any, any Western movie fans, anybody like Western movies, old cowboy movies? You remember the old cowboy scenes? When they came in to vote or they came into the tavern or sometimes into church, they had to check their guns, right? Remember that, all the gunslingers, everybody had to check their guns. Well, that's the way it is. When you come in to be with God, you've got you to gotta check your anger to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. No anger allowed. No armed individuals. So bluntly, if we have given our brother a cause to be angry with us, then we need to fix that problem. We need to address it. That's sort of like the love your neighbor piece that we've been working on. If we're out of sorts with our brother, it continues that we're out of sorts with God. So next he gives a couple of practical applications to show the concept that applies, that this concept applies even to those people who aren't related to us spiritually. He continues in verse 25, he says, you must quickly be of a peaceable spirit with your opponent at law. And you might say, well, somebody's suing me. Well, the in, in implication here is that you're guilty, that you, you, they have a right to sue you. Even while you're with him and on the way, lest the opponent would hand you over to the judge and the judge to the jailer, and you would be cast into prison. Truly, I say to you, you would not come out from there until you have given every last penny. Wow. So quickly we can see that anger wrecks three things. First of all, anger wrecks you. Second thing is anger wrecks your relationships with others. And third, anger wrecks your relationship with God. Anger is not such a good deal, is it? Are you getting your money's worth from anger? I'd say we've been gypped with anger, right? Here's the quick summary of it all. See, Jesus is saying that the commandment not to murder extends beyond the act itself and to the inner thoughts that precede the act. He cares about what you do, but he cares about that invisible you that's inside as well. So it's not okay to harbor those things. He wants that internal attitude committed to him as well as that external action. Can I get an amen on that? Wouldn't the world be a better place if everybody around us treated us that way? We, we need to be that way, don't we? So anger, unchecked and out of control, is truly an issue of the heart. Remember, Jesus quoted the proverb. He says, the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. So your anger is something that starts inside you. Like murder, it has consequences in our earthly court. And here, anger has consequences in the heavenly courts. And sometimes those consequences are played out in our lives on this earth. Guess what? If anger isn't bad enough, and if he's not undesirable and despicable enough, he's got friends. Wow. Here are some of his companions. You might, you might know these from personal experience. Uh, he has friends like uh, cousins or companions. Bitterness, envy, hatred, gossip, slander, self-hatred, self-loathing, depression. He may also invite apathy to the party, but who cares? Sometimes he invites anxiety, 
isolation, addiction, pornography, rape. These all come out of anger very often. There may be others that I didn't mention if that's not enough. But these are things that create wounds in your life. You have wounds in your life and anger loves to exploit your wounds. Many of the wounds are legitimate. Not that they should have been inflicted on you. In other words, anger is a legitimate response to some of your wounds. It's nursing that anger that is the issue. You may have been abused as a child. You may have been deserted by a parent. You may have seen your father beat your mother. You may have suffered the loss of untimely loss of a loved one or a brutal loss of a loved one. You may have lost your job unfairly. You may have had frustrated desires. You may be just simply disappointed in life. You've you've been insulted. There's a hard one, right? Who's not been insulted? And you may have been neglected or overlooked. Maybe you know that your parents like your brother or your sister better than you, right? You're not the favorite of the family. At least that's the story we all tell. And you may have suffered just a simple inconvenience, and that gives rise to anger and other forms of personal injuries or injustices, that these things rise up in us as anger. And these can invite Satan right into your life. Anger gives Satan a foothold. Ponder that a second. Every time you get anger, angry, Satan gets another foot in the door. I don't know how many feet he's got, but he's got enough. And sometimes it's his cousins, right? Here's how I know that. I go to Paul in Ephesians uh, uh, 4.26, and he's quoting, actually, I think, Proverbs 4.24. It says, be angry and do not sin, and do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. Wow, have you ever noticed that last part? Your anger gives the devil an opportunity. So every time we indulge in anger, we give Satan territory, God's territory, the kingdom territory, and that just isn't right. So we need to take back the territory. And to take back the territory, we have to use the authority of Jesus. That's the power of the Spirit that wins these battles for us. With unresolved anger, Satan gets the upper hand of these conflicts and he gets to influence your life and the life of others. And that's just absolutely no good. See, that's not life in the kingdom of God. I'm going to share with you today five steps to freedom from anger. Do you want to know how to be free from anger? Take notes. I left you plenty of room. I didn't prejudice it with anything. You can write your own notes about your own anger and stuff. Five steps here. And then I'm going to, after I review these five steps, I'm going to share a personal example where I, ha- I use these, where, where God intersected my life and used these to deal with anger in my life. I found these five R's. If it comes from up here, it's got to be alliterated, right? So it's got to all start with the same letter. And I actually give you several R's with some of the other R's. So you get some bonus R's. But we're going to have five R's. Are you okay with that? R. R, matey. Okay. <laughs> Are you okay? I, everybody, no. All right. First, the first thing is you got to recognize. Recognize and reflect is the first thing. So you have to acknowledge anger for what it is. It's murder. Ask God to show you the source of anger in your life and when and where you were wounded. There may be a problem, more than one situation where you've been wounded, but you got to Reflect. You've got to spend some time and ask God. Number two, repent. 
Repent isn't feeling sad or sorry about it. It starts with that, but it doesn't stop with that. Repenting is a change of direction. You've got to begin by changing your mindset. How you think about your anger and how you think about the things that make you angry. Begin by agreeing with God about your situation. And to do that, you have to know what he thinks. Number three, you get two R's here, release and reconcile. You've got to forgive any and every offender when there is one, even yourself. Now, some of you may be saying, no chance. But angry, you've got to release them, forgive all of them. See, anger's antidote is forgiveness. The poison of anger can only be treated by forgiveness. Forgiveness is received for us. We receive God's forgiveness, and it must be given. Failure to give forgiveness has two surprising effects on us. One, God doesn't forgive us if we don't forgive. Uh, You may be saying, hold on, where did I get that? Let's go back here. Let's Let's actually just skip a little forward. In the next chapter of the Sermon on the Mount, we find the Lord's Prayer. Everybody knows the Lord's Prayer, right? And then there it says, forgive us our debts. That's where we like to stop, right? But as we forgive others. You see, but it's that next little sentence that we skip over very often because we don't really don't know what it means because we think it's God's got some tough stuff for us. But I'd say it's a consequence of not forgiving. So read it this way. And do not lead us into temptation. You see, that's that foothold that Satan gets in your life because of your anger. And lack of forgiveness. But deliver us from evil. In other words, deliver us from Satan's desire. He's like a a roaring lion. He likes to go around and see who he could destroy, kill and steal and destroy. For if you forgive others for for their transgressions, your heavenly Father will forgive you yours. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Ouch! So is anger worth holding on to so far? Number two. Number two. Failure to forgive opens doors for Satan. And we've already said that once a couple of times. That's the point I'm really trying to help you understand. It opens the doors for Satan and his minions to exploit us. Let's go back to Ephesians. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4, starting in about verse 26. He says... uh, Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and do not give the devil an opportunity. So failure to forgive invites, it actually reserves a room for Satan. And you remember his relatives, right? They're no fun at the party. Really aren't. We've all had relatives in these days. I had a friend who used to tell me, uh, relatives are like fish. They both stink after three days. So certainly anger and his friends shouldn't get to stay any longer, right? So the step number four, renounce. Break the contract. Say it out loud. Don't whisper it. You don't have to be, you don't, you don't have to announce it to the world, but say it out loud so that the spiritual forces of the heavenly realms can actually hear it. Speak it so that heavens can hear. And then five. As I was 
prep rehearsing this with an EDSA five. <laughs> we have five light. Receive. God has a truth for you to exchange for the lie, and you need to receive that truth. That's, that there's, a, there's a lie at the root of your anger. Now, we think it's a truth, and that's why we are so angry, but it's a lie at the, at the root of your anger. So we have to, uh, uh, as the anger that comes from injustice hits us, we have to learn to trust God to set the books right and to make accounts uh, straight. And these things are real. So we have to do our part, and we have to trust and allow God to do his part. So believe and affirm that the one in you is greater than he that is in the world. And we agree, I agree with Paul's assessment in, in uh, Philippians uh, chapter 1 and verse 6, where he, when he says, There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started his great work in you would keep it at hand and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears. Amen? He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it in you. Don't shortstop it with anger. I promised you some examples. This is where you get to find out that I know some of you have already had some suspicions that I wasn't perfect. I'm not sure why. Have you been talking to them, Anita? Okay. This is, this is the case where I actually applied these five steps. This is actually where I started learning these five steps. <clears throat> one, step number one is what? Recognize, right. So this happened to me one morning at 4.30 in the morning. I, I, used, I got up, was doing my quiet time. Me and God, I was practicing the first step. I wanted to hang out with God. And then God arrested me with Ephesians 4, 27 through 30. And I had to take responsibility for my actions and the way I thought. Here's what I read that morning. And do not grieve and do not give the devil an opportunity. Verse 27. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Wow, I was struggling already and haven't even gotten to the convicting part yet. I, I sometimes hung on the concept of constructive criticism. Anybody ever been built up by criticism? It's kind of like anger, isn't it? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. See, he set a purpose on us. Let all, how much? All bitterness and wrath and anger <coughs> and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all, how much? All malice, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Wow. I certainly wasn't tenderhearted, and I wasn't doing a good job at being kind. See, when I read, when I read this, I realized that I was treating Anita poorly. I had a set of expectations for her. I hadn't told her about them. And that's how we do it, Right. <clears throat> but I had a set of expectations for her, and uh, she wasn't complying. I don't know what her problem was, but she, she wasn't playing the game. Excuse me. So w- when I give her my set of expectations, I get mad. What's that called? She tells me that's called manipulation, <clears throat> right? <coughs> we weren't partners in that. So... 
in all that, because she didn't respond to my manipulation, I didn't think she cared enough about what I needed or what I wanted or what I thought she should do. Who, who would figure, right? So step number two, I had to repent. I had to change my mind. I had to start thinking differently, right? So I began agreeing with this verse, and I began changing me. I can't change her. It's not my job to change her. It's not even my privilege to change her. It's my responsibility to change me. And when it changed me, that repentance stops the cycle of escalation of blame from anger. Wow. So that was one place I started getting freedom. The neat thing was she saw the change in my behavior. I didn't tell her about it at first. She tells people about it. We do some marriage counseling from time to time, and she tells people this story. So it's, it's, not, it's not a secret story. It's not the first time she's heard it. Uh, but she tells it because she saw the change, and the change invited her to change. Wow. She changed in ways I never even anticipated, a lot better than what I was trying to get, get out of her. Number three, release and reconcile. I purposely forgave her for not being and doing everything I wanted or expected from her. Right? Notice my forgiveness for both her real and my imagined um, transgressions and failures from her. How many of you carry around anger about things that never really happened? (laughs) Oh, yeah? That's really the source of a lot. And that gets us all primed for the things that do happen, right? Then we go way overboard on those the things that are real. So uh, I had to forgive her for both these real and imagined things. And I had to love her without demanding some level of performance. Wow. Isn't that sort of what God does for us? He loves us without demanding a level of performance, yet he invites us into a citizenship that gives us freedom. Wow. So I renounced the lie that she was against me. Isn't that what anger, particularly toward our spouses or somebody close, maybe your coworkers? We believe that they're against us because they're always doing something that irritates me. Have you ever told them about that? No. But I know they've got it on their daily to-do list somewhere. Irritate Chuck. Okay. So number four. I love the delight. Number four, renounce. What I did was I renounced the power and the influence of anger in my life and proclaimed the power of Christ in me to love her without demanding a level of performance. Number five, receive. I received God's truth and I exchanged them for those lies. Would you like to have truth in exchange for lies? That's a good exchange. The exchange rate on that is great, by the way. I had believed these lies, and they were killing me. I refused the lies I had believed about her and about myself. <clears throat> a lot of the things I believed about her really were things I believed uh, that came from me, right? My internal struggles. Then I began to pray prayers of gratitude and blessing for her and over her, and I released her from my expectations and committed to love her for whoever she and God decided she was to be. Essentially, like I said, I trusted God for the outcome. You know you can do that, right? You can trust God. See, that's the problem with anger. It doesn't trust God. 
for the outcome. It says we got to fix it with our anger. By the way, hasn't God done a marvelous job with Anita? Huh? Yeah. I think so. So here's the deal. You notice that there's four tables in the room today. We're getting ready to take communion. Communion is one of those times where we bring our gift to the altar, so to speak, right? We want to hang out with God. Guess what? It's a great time to resolve some of those anger issues, right? It's a great time to do that. In our time of communion this morning, we're going to uh, celebrate those of us who have given Jesus a place of lordship in our lives. We're going to celebrate that lordship of our lives. We're going to partake of the, his body, the bread, his blood, the fruit of the vine. And we're going to enjoy these as physical manifestations of the spiritual realities of his sacrifice for us. And recall that Jesus says, we've got to handle these issues and then come to God. So let's step into that this morning. I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. I'm going to pray another prayer of deliverance, right? And I want you to join me in this prayer. It's a powerful prayer. And then after we pray this prayer, you're going to be released to go to the station that's closest to you. There's four stations. And this one has the bonus of having gluten-free. So help yourself. So pray with me, okay? The five steps. Father God, I recognize that my anger does not honor you. It's not my best toward you. Show me the sources of my anger. Show me the subjects of my anger. I repent. I will no longer let anger control me. Today I'm taking a new path to agree with you about the people and situations where I choose to be angry. I release and forgive any and every offender. I forgive you, Father God, for not meeting all of my expectations. I forgive myself for poor citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. I belong to Jesus. I renounce you, anger. No longer am I your captive and prisoner. I apply the blood of Jesus to my contract with anger. And declare it null and void. You no longer have authority. Or influence in my life. I say to anger and its companions. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Say that again like you mean it. Be gone in the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus I am ready. I receive your truth, that he that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. And I receive your forgiveness. I receive your power. And I trust you for the results you want in my life. 
I know you are greater than the enemy. I know you broke the power of sin, of death, of hell, and Satan when you shed your blood on the cross and rose from the dead in glory. And I receive these emblems today. Of this truth this morning, as I participate in remembering the price you paid for my freedom. Amen.